Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Stuck in a Blender. This is your host, Brittany Simo. Today, I have Garrett and Chelsea. They are both certified relationship coaches. And um, today, they're going to tell us a little bit about their story and how they got to where they are. And they also have their own blended family. So uh, that being said, whichever one of you wants to take the stand. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having us, Brittany. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we are Garrett and Chelsea Zimmerman. We are also the founders of Transform Couples Coaching, um, and we are a blended family as well. So um, we love all relationships, but more specifically, um, blended families, because we are one ourselves. Um, Garrett and I met back in 2013 and uh, began to the process of blending our family um, after that. So we've been married for two years, and uh, we actually have three boys between the two of us. Uh, Garrett has one son, and I've got two, and then we recently just got a puppy, so we had to add some female energy into our home because I was feeling very overwhelmed. <laughs> Yay! Um, yeah. So we got a little five-pound Morphe. Her name is Harlow, and we love her. Um, so we just believe that blended families... Um, they can overcome any challenge that life throws their way. Um, it's just having the right tools, the right resources, and um, a village behind them to really support them and encourage them through every challenge, every season. And so that's what we aim to do. I don't know if Barrett wants to add anything, but yeah, that's who we are. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is that acknowledging the past and how blended families get to blended is a really important reality for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people come into a blended family relationship without maybe sometimes acknowledging where they've come from and how they got to being blended. And that was one of the key pieces of our story in that when we met, like Chelsea said, we met in November of 2013. But we actually didn't go on our first date until June of 2014. So we were in the middle of a process of self-discovery individually, knowing that if we were going to get into a relationship after divorce and marriage breakdown, we needed to identify some of the things we needed to change and do differently about ourselves. Otherwise, those same patterns would just show up with a different person. So... We've spent a ton of work on self-development, self-growth, so that we could come into relationship as more wholesome partners. We still have our hangups. We still exist. We still make mistakes. By no means are we perfect. But we are now more aware of some of those personal challenges that contribute to maybe some of the relationship challenges that exist in blended families. And now we've got tools, like Chelsea said, tools and strategies and things that we can do that we've lived out and done ourselves that we now coach other blended family couples through because at the end of the day, you do need to become aware so that you can change and grow together versus that cliche that we've all heard. Well, we just grew apart. Mm -hmm. We just grew apart. We're just not in love anymore. I don't love you anymore. Well, love is so much more than a feeling. And we're big believers in intentional actions and intentional choices for the good of the relationship. That's such great stuff. Wow. I, I mean, I have questions. So if you're comfortable sharing, so I know you both have kids. I don't want to just assume that you were married previously, but were you both married previously? There it was. I was not. So okay. I had, yeah, I had my kids very young. Um, I was 18 when I had my first. Okay. 20 when I had my second and then yeah Garrett was previously married for seven years okay so when each of you split what was on an individual from an individual perspective what was the uh splitting like how how did you handle it uh you know was it relatable in the, maybe that it was you know high conflict or did you was it really amicable and what was it like for your child for sure. So, yeah, I mean, when I was going through that process, um, obviously it was very high emotion in terms of I didn't see it coming. It was a bit of a surprise. And so I was trying to process emotions, but at the same time, focus on making sense of it for my son, who was very young at the time. And I remember saying to my ex that 
despite the fact that we couldn't move forward together in a marriage, we still had to prioritize and make decisions in the best interests of our son. And so that was laid out very early in the process. Um, and at the same time, there were boundaries that needed to be put in place in terms of what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable um, in terms of, you know, how I was available to her and how I was no longer responsible for making sense of some of the, the realities of relationship. And then when Chelsea and I started to get together and Chelsea became, you know, part of our lives, myself and my son, um, you know, again, there were boundaries that needed to be put in place because who we were as a couple previously was no longer our reality. I was now with someone else and my accountability and responsibility was to Chelsea. And so in the beginning, there was some boundaries that needed to be put in place, like I said, and an understanding that now it's about raising a son together. It's about co-parenting. It's not about being in relationship anymore. I'm in relationship with someone else. And that's where my energy goes. I am still a parent and a father, but I'm not responsible to you as his mother. So there were some growing pains, admittedly. Great way to put it. Right? Sorry to interrupt, but I, I think like a lot of, and I don't, I mean, a lot of parents that go through that um, split mm. don't think that way. And I certainly mm. have not, heard a lot of males and maybe that's just because they're less in touch for the most part, like our culture has them less in touch with their feelings and whatnot, but good for you. Sorry to interrupt you. That was really refreshing to hear. No, well, thank you. And, and admittedly, I mean, I have to give some of the credit to Chelsea because Chelsea made me aware, like you make a great point. Like a lot of guys, you know, sometimes I think there's so much guilt and shame that comes with a divorce for male and female. You have to essentially, you know, let go of what you thought was going to be your life. And with that comes so many painful realities. And Chelsea actually made me aware of some things that I maybe was completely blind to. And that's why we're big believers in supporting each other as partners, because I can't see everything and vice versa. So she would come to me and she'd be like, it's not really appropriate for your ex to talk to you about those certain things. It's not appropriate for your ex to ask you to be available to help her cope with certain things. And like, I had these aha moments where I was like, holy cow, yeah, you're right. I'm no longer responsible to her in a relationship. I'm responsible to our son. And that's where it stops. And so admittedly, yeah, I mean, Chelsea was a big driver of that because she made me aware of it. And then I had to go and take those conversations and put lines in the sand, so to speak, and boundaries that were very clear. Mm -hmm. So that it wouldn't impact our relationship, which I think is a challenge with a lot of blended families. For sure. And Chelsea, bio mom perspective aside, what was that like to come in and point these things out and still, you know, work on building a relationship with Garrett and maybe as well as one with your potential or new stepson. Yeah, I was actually just going to say, so Garrett actually said it great in terms of being like the outsider looking in. Um, for me, it was, um, what message does that send to your son mm. when you're, when his mom and dad who have, you know, split up are still, you know, and, and I'll just give an example if that's okay, Garrett, but there was one night where I had gone over, we were not living together yet. I had gone over and I was having supper with Garrett and his son and his ex-wife showed up and um, she proceeded to say like, we need to have a talk as a family outside. And I was like, uh, and so at the time Garrett was like, okay, yeah, like we'll take our son and go outside. And I was like left sitting at the dinner table, like an absolute, like, what is this? And so my kids were obviously at their dad's at that time. But so I was like, I was terrified to be honest with you, to have that conversation. So once Garrett put his son to bed, you know, actually, I think he might have got picked up by by mom. So he wasn't even there anymore. And after that, I brought it to the table and I was like, 
if you were in my shoes, how would it feel if my ex was coming into our circle, our space, and still referring to us as a family? And I said, what message does that send to your son who is trying to make sense of so much right now in terms of his mom and dad not being together, his dad has a new friend or girlfriend, and all of a sudden his mom is still referring to them as a family. Like it's confusion, right? It's so much confusion for an already confusing situation for kids. And so like putting that on the table, it actually was kind of a little bit selfish, but a little bit unselfish as well, because I was thinking about his son. I was thinking about the message that it was sending and selfishly for myself, I was like, girl, you guys are not a family anymore. Like, I'm sorry, I'm here now and we're trying to build a family, right? And right. So, so, yeah, I think that, I mean, it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely two-sided where there was like, you know, the selfish side, but then also, you know, for his son, I really felt like I needed to speak up and say something and it actually brought light to it where it was able to then there was change that was able to come from that too right and boundaries to be put in place and what was that like for you Garrett hearing that it was yeah it was refreshing to be honest with you because it was a it was a reminder to me of you know how much Chelsea cared about my son as well as about me in the sense that like she can't treat you like that like you're not you're not responsible to her anymore mm -hmm. and it, it was validating to be on the receiving end of that especially when she positioned it as a question like she did and basically put me in her shoes and then I was able to see it from that other side um, which was so powerful and that's something that we we coach couples to do is to really take yourself out of it remove yourself from it and ask the question of your partner how they would feel if X, Y, or Z was happening. Because what we've found is that, and this is, goes back to a lot of our work that we did as individuals, when people feel like they are owning the reality or the answer to their question, they are more inclined to make a change. Versus if people are just told they have to change, mm -hmm. they get defensive. And we've seen it literally in some of our coaching sessions where, you know, one partner will say something to a, a, their partner and just how they approach it mm -hmm. immediately puts the person on the defensive. So that question that Chelsea asked, like, how would you feel? Mm -hmm. I had to step back and be like, oh, yeah, now I see it completely differently. And I appreciate you bringing that forward because, yeah, it, it gives me the chance to take my power back. And at the same time, reaffirm and establish our relationship as where my focus is now. That's great. So it sounds like you guys have handled things really well. I mean, are there ever times where like you butt heads and it takes a while to sort it out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I, I can honestly say that it has gotten significantly better over the years. And I do attribute that to us having gone through coaching prior to becoming relationship coaches. And we actually use many of the tools and strategies and techniques in terms of, you know, getting through conflict, managing conflict, communicating properly with each other, you know, really just kind of having those, um, those tools that we use. Um, but yeah, I mean, by no means are we perfect. <laughs> by no means do we ever, you know, like there's been times where we've spent like a week, like really at each other and like just trying to navigate through conflict and through, through things, um, whether it has to do with, you know, an ex or a situation that's, you know, with the kids or, you know, any of those types of things. Um, but we also try to avoid things like an argument hangover where we don't address a problem in its tracks and navigate it as quickly as we can to reconnect with each other because the reconnection is actually where the growth happens, where you can reveal things to each other you know, I can understand that if you're upset and you're in the moment, 
take a time out, like take some time, put your thoughts together. You know, people go through things different ways. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that resolve by both people to reconnect and to talk through the problem so that that time has gotten shorter and shorter. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like this is just something that I started practicing more of because, you know, even just the other night, I really bumped heads with my husband and, you know, and it's easy to get so absorbed in in things and just stay mad, you know, whether it's pride or ego or whatever you want to call it. And it, somebody has to bring themselves to be like, okay, we have to come back. And I said the same thing that you just said, like it, our goal is to reconnect. And I think a lot of times, especially in blended families, because it's so hard to deal with all these moving parts, but um, you know, you can be at each other's throats and forget that like, you're actually there together, you know, like you're one, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess my next question is how did you develop a relationship with your stepson, Chelsea? So for me, to be honest with you, so I, (laughs) I really just like, I allowed him to get comfortable with me. Okay. And so when in the beginning, actually, so the very early stages of our relationship, um, you know, Garrett was living, like we were, we weren't living together. So for me, it was like those baby steps and just like paying attention to like the things that he liked, like he was four at the time. So, I mean, he loved Lego and he loved watching cartoons and he loved stuffed animals and, you know, like he loved certain foods and things like that. So I got really curious about him and I I started to ask him questions about himself, you know, like, you know, what's your favorite Lego and, you know, what's your favorite TV show? And then I would incorporate that into future visits, you know, whether it meant, you know, watching a movie together, you know, the three of us or, you know, bringing his favorite food to a dinner, like when we would go to dinner or bringing him a little treat here and there. So it kind of just showed him that I care, that I, you know, I'm, I'm nice (laughs) and, you know, that I really do. And, and the other thing was, was that I was also very affectionate towards Garrett as well in front of him so that he knew that like, I was, I was really kind and, and I was able to be trusted. And if his dad was trusting me, that it was like safe, you know, and you have to build that element of safety with people, with the kids who are, you know, potentially going to become your stepchildren. And we actually have a great relationship to this day because of it, because, you know, of that, of those little baby steps and then allowing him to kind of warm up to me. That's great. I really like that. Um, I guess I I can ask you your opinion based on what you said. It sounds very familiar to what I did uh, in my approach. I'm curious, what's your opinion on like disengaged step parents? I, well, to be very transparent, um, Garrett, unfortunately, didn't have the same experience with my kids. And so maybe he can kind of shed a little bit more light on that because he has had to intentionally disconnect because, I mean, I think that he's used this term before, so I'll use it again. He kind of came in like a wrecking ball (laughs) and uh, he wanted to be, you know, because my kids, so a little bit of background about my history with my, with my ex. Um, I was very young when I had my kids. And so I was 18 with my first and 20 with my second. And so I was not with somebody who was good for me. And he ended up being a very terrible father figure for my kids. And so to this day, um, at the time that Garrett and I got together, my kids were going back and forth to their dads for a week at a time. And now they no longer see him at all. Wow. Yeah. So um, because of the, and it was a high conflict, very high conflict between the two of us. And so, and the environment that my kids were going to when they were going to their dads was so toxic and so 
terrible for kids that Garrett really ultimately just wanted to come in and be that healthy, positive father figure to my boys as, you know, he saw for like that they deserve, like you deserve to have a good dad. You deserve to have someone in your corner. And unfortunately it was very ill received by my boys. Um, and it's now gotten to the point where, you know, they've, they've had to agree to disagree and Garrett has had to take a bit more of a disengaged approach as opposed to that more engaged father figure mentor role. He still does it, you know, he still shows and he, his actions show that. But when it comes to really having that like very connected relationship, it's not like that. And it, it pains me to say that. And I'm sure it pains him too, even more so. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, 100% correct. Um, you know, I did come in to the relationship knowing the background and the past that you know, Chelsea's boys had, had lived through. And then I watched it for a number of years and I watched it in terms of the impact it would have when they would come back to be with Chelsea for the week and the impact it would have on myself, Chelsea, um, my boy, and just the, the dynamics that were created and how negative and toxic it was. And so, yeah, I, I did. And as I've reflected over the years, I came in wanting to give them something that they didn't have through their bio dad. But in doing so, they actually resisted and pushed back because they didn't know how to be loved or cared for by a male in their lives. And so that trauma, that reality that now as you know, I get older and they get older, I acknowledge is no fault of their own. It's no fault of mine, but now we have to understand it and then make decisions around it based on what we know. And one of those decisions is that yes, these boys lack respect for males because they were never respected by their father. They are challenged in terms of building relationship with males because it hasn't been something they grew up comfortable. In fact, they were like, you know, put the, like fear into them around males. So they're having to make sense of that. And me being male by default, I get the brunt end of that. And I have had to disengage for the sake of my own well-being, but also because Chelsea and I have acknowledged that it doesn't contribute and it doesn't create connections. So it's better to disengage sometimes. And to go back to your question, we do believe that there are times and seasons when disengaging is absolutely required and it's required for the sanity and the safety and the security of the entire family unit and the entire home based on whatever the dynamics are that have brought you to that point so we don't encourage it but definitely when the realities around the relationship are pointing in the direction that disengaging could do more like benefit then staying stuck where you are, absolutely, it's it's necessary. And we we use the term step parents sometimes need to step back mm -hmm. to actually create connection because we've lived it and seen it where step parents try to get too involved, try to create too much of a connection, yeah. try to be over involved, and kids on the other side of that, whether or not you have a high conflict ex or not, they can now see that new step parent as a threat right. and a threat to their relationship with their bio parent, a threat to their relationship with like their bio mom or dad who isn't in the picture. And when kids are threatened, no different than, you know, adults when we're threatened, we act out and we become highly emotional and it's just not healthy for anybody. So it's been a learning. It's ever evolving, especially now as they come into teenage years yeah. and now there's hormones going and completely different stages happening. Yeah, that's fun. I've just left the door open and they have. They've walked in at times to ask me about, you know, stuff with girls. How do I navigate this? Did wow. you ever leave flowers in a girl's locker at school? Like, I think I want to do this to surprise them. Like, what do girls think about that? So I haven't forced that. 
I've allowed it to just come to me on their terms and it's helped significantly. Wow. I got to say thank you so much, both, both of you, for sharing that because it's given me a very different perspective in hearing this on disengaging. Um, I think my original perspective was like, I, I hear a lot of, not so much from stepdads, but more so stepmoms of, and I'm sure you've heard this, I didn't sign up for this, you know? Well, like you, you did sign up for this because you married somebody with kids. Uh, maybe you didn't know what that meant. Um, and, you know, me, I've always been an engaging step parent, of course, like I did it with boundaries and like you said, ever evolving. Um, but I have had a very, maybe too rigid um, opinion on disengaging stepmoms who just choose to, you know, throw their hands up and say, well, you know, F this, this is not my deal. I don't want to be involved. Like want to have a relationship with my spouse, but not their kids because I just don't want to. And I didn't sign up for that. So thank you for elaborating because I think there's more to, you know, engaging versus disengaging than maybe everybody is even aware of. Yeah. 100%. And I think engaging, engaging doesn't mean you have to be, you know, part of their lives every day, all the time. And in the same way as the bio parent. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in blended families, we, we run into rubs between spouses because one step parent or a bio parent is trying maybe to become over involved and too involved versus just allowing it to be what it is and really letting the child set the pace. That's something we're big believers in is children already feel like they've lost control. Totally. When they all of a sudden have to be told, okay, you're going to dad's for this weekend. Then you're going to be back. And then we're going here. So they're constantly told what they need to do, where they need to go, and who they need to be with. Yeah. And so they lose that control that every kid wants. And so we believe that rather than trying to control them, allow them to control some of the situations and realities of being blended, which for us has meant allow them to control. And, and you know, in the case of Chelsea's boys, when they come to me and ask me, input yeah i'm not gonna step in and tell them unless they ask so that's been really helpful for us and i think you know even in some of the coaching that we've done with other couples is don't force it because when you force it you actually get the resistance that's when you get the rubs between the bio parent and you know the step parent and also between the kids and the parents and then it just gets ugly and then you do that where, where you know bio mom or stepmom, or bio dad, or stepdad is like, I'm not in on this. Like, this is ridiculous. I want a relationship with you as my partner, but not your kids. Yeah. And it's because when we peel it back, a lot of times the parents are just trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. Well, also too, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like maybe from even just like the self development work that you both have done. It sounds like now you don't take things personally. You're not seeking approval. And even if there's a part of you that maybe wants that from them, you're not actively seeking that. And that's not validating your worth as a person or a step parent or, you know, a bio parent. And I know that that's a common theme. Again, maybe it's more so for the ladies, but um, I think it's huge. And even with me in the beginning, I was desperately seeking the approval, not just from the kids, but obviously from my husband and also from bio mom and everybody else that had an opinion about it. And that actually created more pain and anxiety. So uh, mm -hmm. is that something you ever experienced? I mean, I'm sure it's painful. Any rejection is painful, but you, you handled this with so much grace. Yeah, it, it is definitely one of the conversations and what you just said, Brittany is something I've heard from Chelsea many times through the years, you can't take it so personal. They're just kids. And he, he did. Well, in the beginning, for he sure. He had a very hard time because I think for him, and because the roles were reversed, but I think at the end of the day, it's your ego that's getting in the way. And for, like, for Garrett, it was like, wait a second. And like, so a little bit of backstory as well is like Garrett's dad passed away when he was 14. So he was only given 14 years with his own dad, who was an amazing father. 
And, you know, and so for Garrett, it was like, well, I'm going to be the dad that, you know, I didn't get to have. And he is that dad to his son. And, but, you know, he's very involved. He's very hands-on. He gets on his level. He does those things. But when my boys started to reject that, it was like a blow to his ego. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be this person to them that I expected to be. And again, there's that expectation that you're going to be this like, you know, and, and I personally, I blame Hallmark for this. And I'm sorry <laughs> for anybody that's listening, but blended families are not Hallmark stories. And I think that we have this expectation that, you know, oh, well, we're just going to have this perfect blending family. You know, we're going to have this perfect, you know, I'm going to be the perfect stepmom and they're going to be the perfect stepdad and everybody's just going to live happily ever after. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then the other part on the flip side of that is I blame Disney for making stepparents out to be bad people. Yeah. Because Every, you know, and all the Disney movies, there's the evil, evil stepmom and all those different things. So, you know, I mean, sorry to Hallmark and Disney, but it really paints a, a, a you know, a skewed picture of what blended families are. Mm -hmm. And so when you get into a blended family, you have all these expectations because of what you've seen, or maybe someone does have a great blended family. I know a couple personally, but we both do where, you know, it's like Pleasantville, where the exes are best friends, and they've got all of these, like, they have dinner parties together, and they were cohorts during COVID, and it was like, la, 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 and everything was perfect, and so, but that's not the reality for the majority of blended families, and so I think what happens is that it's that those expectations that you go in with that aren't necessarily being met that cause you to feel that sense of like, I'm a failure. You know, my kids are rejecting, like the, his kids are rejecting me or her kids are rejecting me. And so I think that, you know, if we can just kind of like ixnay the expectations and roll with every, and, and, and accept the fact that every situation is different every dynamic in a blended family you can't go and compare yourself to another stepdad you can't go and compare yourself to another stepmom you know you have to just look at what your situation is and at the end of the day that's your reality and that's what you have to work with mm -hmm. that's great and on that note uh chelsea so we, you know, the word responsibility is thrown around a lot and, you know, being accountable and everybody wants to point the finger and wants, you know, X, Y, Z to be accountable and responsible. But like, what does that mean? Because often I hear, and even with a few of my own coaching clients, um, you know, these stepmoms are so angry and, you know, on their pity pots for lack of a better phrase and just continue to really like fall down that hole and poor me and I'm miserable and you know I want this but this is what's happening and the energy just it stays in this state of negativity so what I'm sort of redirecting with my clients is how to take responsibility and the truth is like you just said every family is different and there are plenty of things like Garrett you you know having to disengage things that you can't control so what does it look like or what can you suggest to step parents to actually take responsibility and be able to know truly that you can create a life that is fulfilling and meaningful to you and that you can get off your pity pot. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, if things are going to shit that somehow you should run away because that, you know, you think that's either your only option or stay and be miserable. Mm -hmm. I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> Yeah, no. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because prior to this, we were also guests on another podcast where this sentence was used and it was so relevant, especially here. So the biggest thing that people can do is have the mindset shift that you don't have to, you get to. Oh. And it's a privilege to be having this second chance or third chance or whatever, whatever it is 
we have an opportunity to start over and to really have the love and the relationship that we wanted and that we have, you know, desired for so long. And so when things aren't necessarily going your way or things are, you know, those expectations aren't being met, rather than, you know, getting into that state of like pity party where it's like, oh, woe is me, my stepkids don't like me and this and that, you know, reframing the mindset and shifting that mindset to, you know what, I don't have to do this. I get to do this and reframe that language of like having it be, you know, and, and taking that responsibility as well of saying like, you know what? Yeah, it may not be working out the way that I envisioned it or I wanted it to, but it's still a privilege that I get to be part of this family and to have my kids be part of this family. And then it really kind of takes that negativity out of it. And it brings it back into a more positive way of like, this is like, this is a privilege, you know, it's not like I have to do something I get to, and I, and I want to. And then I think the more that we tell ourselves that, and I mean, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but I do believe that, you know, shifting that mindset of, you know, that obligation to, it's like a privilege. It actually is. And, and when you start to see it that way, you kind of even, you become more accepting. You kind of go with the flow a little bit better. You, you know, you and your partner are more understanding of each other and where each other are at. And so, yeah, I don't know if Garrett wants to add anything to that too, but I, I just think that it, it is, it's really just about that mindset shift and really just, you know, leaning into that. That's great. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Okay. So it's amazing to me how on the same page you guys are. It's really wonderful. <laughs> um, so uh, what about like the blending of your kids? Now I understand the dynamics of like the relationship that you both have with both children. Um, can you tell me about the blending of the siblings? Yeah. So that is Got another podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Briefly, we can have you back for that. No, it's a great <laughs> question because I think it gets dismissed in blended families. And we just think we can throw all these kids together and kids are supposed to be Gumby dolls mm -hmm. and just be friends with everybody and get along. But we discount things like birth order, uh -huh. where maybe an oldest child on one side now is the youngest. Yeah. Or a middle child in the traditional nuclear family is now the oldest in the blended family. So birth order is one thing that, that we believe impacts greatly the dynamics of the blend, but also understanding the personality differences of the kids and truly identifying where they're the same, different or unique. Because admittedly, you know, my son being an only child comes into the blending process as never having to, you know, compete, so to speak, for a voice at the table, mm -hmm. or never having to, you know, compromise or communicate and negotiate things with another sibling, versus, you know, if you're now blending with, you know, a family where there's two, three, four bio kids, and they've all had to navigate and make sense of that, well, that can greatly impact how those kids communicate and how they see each other. And, you know, in our case, Particularly, you know, my son was alpha male and Chelsea's oldest boy was like the alpha male in her dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then we have this middle son who was like playing referee a lot of times <laughs> in the beginning. He's an empath, so he feels it all. Feels everything. Yeah. And so he Not for him. <laughs> Like, I mean, God love him because he actually was able to step in at times when Chelsea and I were like beside ourselves trying to get these, these bookend boys, the oldest and the youngest, trying to find some sense of like, okay, we can agree on things here versus like we have to constantly butt heads because they both wanted to be right all the time and they both wanted to have their way all the time. And so it got frustrating and there were times when that middle son being the empath and being in the middle, literally by age and by way of birth order coming into the blending, he was like, 
guys, do we really need to argue about this? Do you guys really need to fight about this? And he would do some of the dirty work, which was amazing. And it's crazy because as they're growing, it's now the youngest and the oldest, the ones who were fighting for, you know, space in the beginning. Mm. Are now, I would arguably say the closest because they share similarities in terms of interests, in terms of activities they love being a part of. Mm. Even some of the, you know, I think the things they've acknowledged as they've gotten older, the challenges that they've had growing up and so they can relate more and you know it's been interesting to watch it happen and it's been rewarding for us as parents because we do see that the benefit of us stepping back and allowing them to kind of set the pace it's actually been replicated between the three of them Mm -hmm. whereby they now understand okay like if my stepbrother has got his door closed I'm going to knock before I go in, or I'm going to ask for permission. And they've created boundaries and understandings amongst themselves, yeah, right. um, which is such a shift from what they did when they were four, five, and six. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it, it has been interesting to see. And I think blended families, we cannot overlook, nor should we ever dismiss the impact it has on our kids. Because although mom and dad might be happy, like we found this second chance at love or this third chance, whatever it is, we have to let go of that selfishness and remember that, oh yeah, there's these little people here. Mm-hmm. There's these little people that were in my life before that I still need to be responsible to. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, we have to account for some grace and we have to allow them to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We can't expect them to be perfect. And we have to understand that they're going to have good days and bad days, just like adults do. Mm-hmm. And some days nobody wants to be in each other's space and that's okay. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on that, are you both comfortable or were you both from the beginning or do you still, I don't know, maybe Garrett, you don't considering what you've shared, but what's discipline like in your household? Is it all the same, you know, ground rules? Uh, Does one parent, you know, Chelsea, do you parent your children? Garrett, do you parent your child? How does this work? Or like when you're alone, I don't know, maybe you're not, but is one of you ever alone with all three and has to decide what happens? Yeah, so we actually, (laughs) in the beginning, it was a huge struggle for us because our kids were little and they couldn't be left alone, which now they can, but back when they were four five and six, they, you know, we basically had to, from the very beginning, adopt a mindset and teach our kids that, you know, when Garrett is with you and I'm not there, you know, I would have this conversation with my own bio kids and he had this conversation with his son too, But when each of us were not present, they carried the other, the person, the parent that was present carried the same responsibility. Like we're basically passing the torch to say here, you're the parent, you're in charge. What you, what the, you know, what this parent says goes when I'm not around. Yeah. And that was something that took a lot. I mean, there was times when our kids specifically, well, no, actually not even specifically mine. They all had their moments where they were like, well, my dad's here. I don't have to listen to you. My mom's not here. I don't have to listen to you. And, you know, (laughs) and so, I mean, honestly, it is going to be, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not, it's going to be a battle, but the thing that we learned over the course of time is that it is important for the bio parent to discipline their own kids. Take lead when possible. And take lead when possible. So, I mean, unless someone's in like imminent danger and that parent has to step in and break up a fight mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, typically what happens now is, you know, let's say, for example, my middle son is causing trouble and I'm at work. And Garrett sees the behavior, you know, he addresses it in the moment and says, Hey buddy, like probably shouldn't do that. Or, you know, but he's not responsible to carry out the consequences of that behavior. And that's up to me. 
and vice versa. Garrett is the same boat with his son. You know, I'll communicate, hey, I got some major backlash from your son. I was spoken disrespectfully to, you know, I'll give him the rundown. And it's a trust between the two of us as well that we have, you know, that we have that, you know, what the parent is saying is in fact what happened. Right. And then we go back to our, you know, to our bio kids and, and carry out those consequences and enforce those consequences. Cause I would never expect for Garrett to have to, you know, enforce a consequence when, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to give him the consequence, but you're the one that has to carry it out. No. And as far as I'm concerned, that's not fair. If that's a last resort, then maybe, but yeah. So that's, that's how we typically handle the discipline in our family. Okay. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, like you said, it could be different for every family, but I agree. I think even when I discipline my stepkids, it's never like, I'm not the go-to, you know, it's funny because like, they still listen to me. I've, I've had it very, I I don't know, lucky, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, They're very resilient, very kind hearted children. Um, Of course, they're still kids and they can be a pain in the ass like every other child. (laughs) You know, um, I think also I like you, Chelsea, I was very warm and kind and patient and remember that they're still children or I mean, they're still human, even though they're children. And I think a lot of step parents, it's easy to forget because we become absorbed in our own you know, perception and emotions. And like, sometimes it's just like, oh my God, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) it's so true. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can start wrapping up, but I do have one last question. What is the, and again, you can make it brief for time purposes, but what's the relationship, um, with Garrett's ex and you, Chelsea and Garrett, have you ever had any contact with Chelsea's ex? Yeah, so um, we started out kind of trying to have a little bit of a pleasant bill relationship. Okay. Um, But over the years, there has been a few, like, we don't hate each other by any means. But I do feel as though there's had to be boundaries put in place even by myself. Because, you know, um, Garrett coaches his son in hockey and, you know, his ex typically goes and watches hockey games. So we used to sit together at hockey games and chit chat and stuff like that. And over the course of time, there were things that were shared with me by her to kind of like facetiously kind of put him down and really be, you know, that negative kind of voice in my ear. And so I had to put a stop to that. So now, I mean, we're amicable with each other. If we see each other out, you know, it's fine. Like we don't have any ill feelings towards each other, but for the protection of, of our marriage and for, you know, my protection and Garrett's protection, I don't think that it's necessary for us to sit together at hockey games and chit chat about life and shoot the breeze because I like, she had nothing positive to say about our marriage and about Garrett. And so I was like, no, I'm cutting it off. I'm not doing this anymore. I'd rather sit alone. Would you you directly tell her that? Um, there was one time where I basically had to say, like, I don't really care. (laughs) Like, I I understand your intentions are to maybe try to protect me or something. But I said, I don't need that. Um, And so, yeah, there's definitely like, she's aware that there's a line in the sand. And I have, I didn't, wasn't super forthcoming about that. But I think my actions speak louder than words when, you know, she's sitting alone and I proceed to sit alone. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, so I I definitely, like I said, no ill feelings. I don't think that there's any, you know, disrespect towards each other. We just kind of had to not interact with each other as much as maybe we did in the beginning. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And on, on my side, admittedly, I have never had a conversation with Chelsea's ex. The only times I have seen him have been at court hearings to figure out custody arrangements. Oh man. Um, and that has been the extent of it. I've, I've never, admittedly, I've never wanted to have a conversation with him. I've never, you know, wanted to make sense of or ask him anything about, you know, how he parented, why he's done what he's done. So I only know who he is 
I have seen him from afar. Um, I think we said hi to each other one time when there was a meeting at the school to talk about a parenting plan with both homes because it was impacting, you know, one of Chelsea's son's behavior at school. But outside of sitting in that room with, you know, the principal and a couple of teachers and a counselor, I've never said anything or spoken to him at any great length over the course of our eight years together. He's a very toxic person, so we just don't associate ourselves with him at all. He's very, like, very, very mentally ill. Wow. Well, thank you both for sharing so much raw information. Um, obviously, it makes it way more relatable for all the people listening and, you know, empowers them to maybe do something different with their lives and take more responsibility. And like, even though things are never going to be maybe perfect or a storybook, you know, we are perfect examples of making it work and, you know, creating what we really want. So thank you for sharing. And uh, tell us where we can find you on social media, your website, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so we are on Instagram at transformed.couples. You can find more information about us and some of the different services that we offer on our link tree in the bio in our, on our Instagram page. Um, You can also find us at transformedcouples.com. We have our full website, so that gives more information as well. There is a link on the link tree on Instagram as well. And we are on Facebook at Transform Couples Coaching, um, where we, you know, we show up once in a while, but our main platform is Instagram. We love Instagram. Um, We've just really built a community, even, you know, just getting to know people like you, Brittany. Um, So yeah, no, we, uh, we would love to hear from, hear from your listeners and um, yeah, that's where you can find us. All right. Thanks for sharing that, everyone. I will um, provide all of that information in the show notes as well. And um, I will post this on Instagram and tag you guys. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Garrett and Chelsea, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.